This morning we will be looking at just one section, just as Eric just read, one section of a psalm that is often called the Mount Everest of the Bible. This is the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, and actually tonight we're going to be looking at the very next section uh, in Psalm 119 as well. And as Eric said, I'm, I'm working through uh, Psalm 119 when I get the opportunity to preach. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at the second and third sections as a couple of Sunday nights ago, I dealt with the very first uh, section. But Psalm 119, as I said, it's the longest chapter uh, in the Bible. Um, and Psalm 119 has a section for each of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And the cool thing about um, each section is that for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet that it begin or that it um, is entitled with, the first word of each verse in that section begins with that letter. So if it was in English, the first section would be the letter A, and each verse in that section would start with the letter A, and then so on and so forth with B. With the B section, each verse would start with the letter B. So today we come to the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and that is Beth, as you can see um, at the top uh, in your Bibles of this section. We come to the second section of Psalm 119. And I want to begin by asking a question uh, for us, just to start considering what we're going to be uh, looking at in this section of Psalm 119. And I want to ask us a couple of questions. We'll start with this first one. And I want you to think about this for yourself. What is the most valuable thing for a young person to spend their time in or be involved in? What is the most valuable thing for a young person to spend their time in or to be involved in? What should young people make a priority? What activity will lead to the best life for a young person? I'll even throw it out there to the children, the teens, to young adults. I'll ask you guys, what is the most important thing for you to spend your time doing at this point in your life? Is it studying? Is it hanging out with people your age? Is it having quality family time? Is it learning important skills, reading widely, having fun? What is the most valuable thing for a young person? And that's what we find discussed here in Psalm 119, 9 through 16. So if you're not there already, I'd ask that you turn to Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, as we're going to be looking at this this morning, considering these couple of verses, seeing what they mean, but also, um, and sometimes this is a challenge with Psalm 119, finding out how they all connect together. So we'll be looking at Psalm 119, 9 through 16, just as Eric read. But I want to begin with the the theme of this section of Psalm 119, and it's this. The most valuable thing for a young person is to be immersed in the Word of God. Again, the theme is the most valuable thing for a young person is to be immersed in the Word of God. And the key verse for this text is the very first one. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your Word. Very well-known verse, very popular verse, even one that we have memorized, but it's the key verse of this section. It kind of sets the agenda for the rest of this section here in Psalm 119. 
But we see the psalmist begins with a question, which is pretty neat because this is the only section in Psalm 119 that begins with a question. And the question is, how can a young man keep his way pure? It asks, how can one keep their way pure or clean? And specifically here, it is morally clean. The psalmist is asking how one can live apart from sin. How one can keep away from letting sin stain their life. How they can be kept from letting wrongdoings, dirty, their words, their actions, their thoughts. Simply put, in this question, the psalmist is asking how they can be kept from sin and its consequences. So the question is also asked, so that's what the question kind of means, but the question is also asked to someone, or we see an age group in specific, and he asks it of a young man. He says in Psalm 119.9, How can a young man keep his way pure? Most likely the psalmist himself is a young man. As we see in the rest of the psalm, he's referring to himself. He's kind of using himself as an example. So we could say that surely these things here in Psalm 119, 9 through 16 can apply to all of us. Adults, young people, they apply to all of us. But I think we do well in focusing in on who the psalmist focuses on. He focuses on the young person. And that covers a broad range, and, and I believe that it covers children, teens, young adults. It's a pretty broad range, this, this word, young. But we see that this psalm focuses in on the young man, the young woman, the boy, the girl in their early years. So this message is for young people. It's addressed especially to young people. At the end, we're going to certainly come back around and think about what does it mean for all of us, adults, young people. But when we go through these verses, it's addressed to you children, it's addressed to you teens, it's addressed to young adults as we go through and think about these verses. That's who I'm going to be especially talking about when I speak of who this is for, and I'll be often using the, the phrase, a young person. So the psalmist is asking for himself as a young person, how can I be kept from sin? How can I live a pure life? How can I live a life that is pleasing to the Lord? So children, teens, and young adults, we'll start with this question. Are you asking that very question for your own life? Is this your desire? Are you asking, how can I keep my way pure? How can I live a life free from sin? Children, teens, young adults, are you asking this? Or, maybe we'll say on the flip side or the opposite, are you rather, or I'll ask you this, do you not care about sin or pleasing the Lord? Are you living how you want? Do you desire to do and live in whatever way brings you the most pleasure? So the Word of God shows that this is the question that you as a young person should be asking. This should be your desire. This should be what you're striving for. You should be asking as a young person, how can I keep my ways? How can I keep my life pure? So in our key verse, the question is asked, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then the answer is given. If you look again at Psalm 119.9, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And then we get the answer, by guarding it according to your word. 
This phrase, by guarding, speaks of keeping watch over something to protect it. Keeping watch over something to protect it. Kids, it's like when your parents, if you have younger siblings, when they ask you to watch your little brother or little sister for a moment, or even for teens and young adults, you might be babysitting at this point in your life. And when you babysit, you are to be watching over the kids you're babysitting. You're to be watching out for them, being alert, being attentive to what is going on so that they stay safe, so that they stay out of trouble. And the same thing is being said here for the young person. You can keep yourself from sin by attentively watching over your life, your choices, your words, your actions with the Word of God, just like you would if you're watching your little brother or sister, just like you would if you're babysitting. We are to watch over our lives so that if we are tempted to live in a way that would be impure, if we're tempted to sin, we can shut it down. We can not do it. So here we're not just told, though, to watch over or to protect our lives by our own wisdom or what we think is best, but we're given the rule, the thing that alerts us to sin, that teaches us to not live in a certain way, and that is the Word of God. As it says, by guarding it according to your Word. We're to be watching over our lives, our ways, all that we do with the Word of God. The Word of God and our use of it is given as the answer to what leads to a pure life, what leads to a righteous life, what leads to living a life apart from sin. So young person, I already asked you if this is your desire to live a pure life. Now I ask you this, are you alert? Are you attentive to what is taking place in your life, seeking to guard it with the Word of God? And as you think about that, you might be a little unsure. You might be uncertain thinking about what exactly does it mean or what exactly does it look like for me to guard, to watch over my life. And that's okay as the rest of the verses in this section show you how. The rest of the psalm answers, what does it look like to guard your ways according to God's word? So verses 10 through 16 flesh this out. The rest of the psalm in the rest of our time this morning, we're going to be thinking about what does it mean to guard your ways? And we see that ultimately the psalmist, the one writing this psalm, presents an example of guarding his ways by the word of God. We're going to see him use I. And, and he's going to be talking specifically about himself, visually showing you as a young person, as a child, as a teen, as a young adult, what it looks like to watch over your ways with the word of God. So let's begin, and we see that the first way given for the young person to guard their ways by the Word of God is to have a reliance on God for his help to obey. If you look with me at verse 10, Psalm 119, verse 10, we see this reliance on God for his help to obey. It says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. And I'll say this right from the start, verse 10 is a loaded verse. There is a lot of different ways I was going to explain this and go into verse 10, but that would have taken way too much time. So I'll focus on just one thought, and that is that this takes the help of God, that God must have a vital part in our guarding of our ways by his word. So when we talk about how do we guard our ways, we find out that God has a vital part in this. And often, or at least I know from my own life, 
that when I think about or when I seek to pursue a life of purity, what the, what the psalmist is talking about, keeping his ways pure, when I seek to do this, when I seek to guard my life by the word of God, I believe that we seek to do it by our own strength. Often it's by our own willpower, own ability, our own drive. But we see the psalmist relies on God as he seeks to live a pure life and follow God's commands. He's saying, God, help me not to stray from your word. Help me not to disobey it or do anything against it. He's praying that God would give him the strength and the ability to continue to live according to God's word. He's praying that he wouldn't begin a pattern of sin. The psalmist is praying that he would be able to accomplish what he asked in verse 9, that he would be able to live a pure life by guarding his life according to the word of God. So we see the strength, the power, the ability to do this ultimately doesn't come from ourselves. We can't do this on our own strength, but ultimately we need to look to God. We see that we would fail in this pursuit if it weren't for God. I also want to point out here what a great example the psalmist is to us when he says, let me not wander from your commandments in the second line of verse 10. He doesn't deny his sin or his ability to sin, but he very much so owns it. He realizes that, yeah, I sin. I so easily turn from God. God, I am weak in temptation. So we see that part of this is simply acknowledging our constant wicked hearts and turning to God for his help. And it makes me think of the, the hymn that we're going to sing actually at the end, um, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It says this. It says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. And specifically those first two lines, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love is exactly what the psalmist is acknowledging here. So application, for young people, you need to do exactly what the psalmist does here. Pray to God for his help. Specifically, as you seek not to sin, as you pursue this life of purity, praying at random times that God would help you to obey him, praying in moments of weakness, in temptation, even in failure, praying that God would give you the ability to live a righteous life. But on top of this, or maybe at a more basic level, it's just having an attitude, it's having a mindset of knowing this, keeping it in our minds that it is God and not us who ultimately can bring this about. We naturally think that it's, it's us. We, re, we rely on our own strength. We need to put this in the forefront of our minds. That we need to rely on God, that it's only by his help. So for the young person, the first way we see that we guard our ways is to pray and make this your mindset that it is God who brings us about. It is God who causes us to guard our lives by his word. It's God who leads, leads us to a pure life. So the first way given to a young person to watch over their lives with the word of God is relying on God for the ability to do so. So for the young person, I'll ask you, has this been how you've been dealing with sin in your life? The second way given for the young person to guard their ways according to the word of God is by memorizing God's word. If you look with me at verse 11, Psalm 119 
Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, another familiar verse that we find in this passage, but it very much so connects to the rest. And we find it's the second way that the psalmist gives to guard his ways, to guard the young person's ways. So another way of guarding their ways by the word of God is given, and that is by storing God's word in their hearts. This word store can mean to hide or to lay up. It is taking the written and spoken word of God and tucking it away in their hearts. So by storing the word of God in their hearts, the psalmist is talking simply about what we would call memorizing God's word, being able to recite verses in our minds. But I do want to say, I think it's interesting here that again we get this word heart. You look again at verse 11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart. We saw this in verse 10. It isn't simply our minds where the word is being stored, but it's in our hearts that it's being stored. It's not just knowing or remembering God's word, even as I just said, reciting in your mind. It's not simply that, but it's in knowing and remembering the word of God and letting it impact our lives and shape who we are. That's the significance of this word, heart. And many of us, and kids, as we're talking to you, teens, we're talking to you, you could ask your parents, and you probably know it as well, many of us who have memorized the Word of God can attest to this, that you memorize Scripture, you have it down, you can re recite it at a moment's notice, and yet it doesn't change the way that you live. It does not come to mind when you sin. It has not impacted you. It has not shaped who you are. You have not stored the Word of God in your heart. You've stored it in your mind. That is not what the psalmist is talking about here. The psalmist gives the purpose. If you look with me at the second line of verse 11, he says, the purpose is that I might not sin against you. So this just reiterates the point that I was making, that the word memorized should make more of an impact upon us than just knowing Scripture. It should affect the way that we actually live. It should protect us from sin. It should keep us from doing something against God. And that's exactly what the psalmist was talking about in verse 9, in keeping his ways pure. You see, he gives yet another way to actually do that. So application first, those who are young should be challenged to memorize God's Word. When we think about that, especially as a church, I think it's pretty cool that our church has something that helps children, helps teens do exactly this, and that's our Embark program. This is a great way to do exactly, to live out exactly what Psalm 119 is saying in having children, having teens memorize the Word of God. And as we think about verse 11 especially, I believe we can say this adamantly, that if your sole purpose for doing Embark is to get the reward, then you're missing the point. Even if, it's just, even if it's just to know verses so that you can quote them at a moment's notice, if they're asked, you can say them. You're still missing the purpose. And that's why we come to a second point of application, and that's you should make sure that memorize, memorization does more than just sit in your mind. Memorizing Scripture is to make an impact on you and your heart. It's to change the way you live. It's to change how you respond to a temptation to sin. 
specific verse should be a reminder of how God has called you to live by his word so you can resist giving in to sin. That's the point of memorization. That's the point of our church's Embark program. So children, teens, young adults, put scripture to memory so that you might live a pure life. The third way given is a desire to learn God's word. If you look with me at Psalm 119.12, we see this desire to learn God's word as he says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So young people are to guard their ways by the word of God, and here the psalmist shows that in doing so, they need to be taught the word. The psalmist begins in the first line where he says, Blessed are you, O Lord. He begins by giving God the credit and praise he's due, showing his acknowledgement that he relies upon him for this. But then we see that the psalmist is asking that God would teach him what his word says and what it means when he says in the second line, Teach me your statutes. If a young person is to guard their ways by the word, they need to know it and they need to continue to learn it all throughout their lives. You ultimately see from this verse, it doesn't come naturally. You don't just know the Word. When you become a Christian, you don't just know it through and through, but you need to be taught it. You need to learn. You need help in understanding, understanding it even. But also we see here that we can forget. We need to be reminded of the Word. And when we think about being taught, the Word of God, one of the main ways that God teaches us His Word is through messages such as this, through the teaching and the preaching of His Word. God uses sermons. He uses Bible lessons to teach His Word. So children, I would challenge you from this. Try to listen in as a sermon is being preached. As I'm preaching now, even as Pastor Reed preaches week in and week out, even you at this young age can understand th certain things. Try to pay attention. Try to learn from the sermon. Ask your parents when you get home if you have questions, if there's things that you don't understand. But also for the children, you have Sunday school lessons. You have Wednesday night class in which you're being taught God's Word. God is teaching you His Word through the teacher. Teens, young adults, I would say from this, you should be challenged to also pay attention. You can certainly understand a lot of what is being taught so try to pay attention. Try to learn from the sermons as this is a great opportunity to learn God's Word. But I'll give you another way. So the preaching and the teaching is one way that God teaches us His Word. The young people can do this. But there's another way that I'll give, and that is especially for children to learn the Bible is through instruction that their parents give them. And I want to just read one passage that I think is key to this. And you'll have to turn there, but it's found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We see that children can learn the word of God from their parents. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then verse 7 says this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So verse 7 is key to seeing this. 
And really, we could say that this is something we see all throughout the Bible, that the Bible talks about parents, talks about adults passing on the faith, talks about passing on things about God that we know, passing them on to the next generation, passing them on to children. We see that's how God can teach us. So God uses parents to make his word known and to teach their children what God's word says. So the third way we guard our, or we can guard our way by God's word is to learn the word of God so that we know it, so that we understand it, so that we can follow it. The fourth way is that he speaks God's word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, 13, it says, with my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. So in one sense, verse 13 shows the impact the word of God memorized and taught to us makes. That we now know it, that we now can speak it, we can share it, even that it can be on our lips instead of maybe other things that wouldn't be right to say, that would be sinful. If it has truly made an impact upon you, the word will be coming out of your mouth. It's pretty cool here. Also, we see that when he talks about the lips, we saw that the psalmist already began with the heart. So we see it goes from the heart to the lips. We're going to see in a few moments that it goes to your mind. It goes to your eyes as well later in the section, showing that the psalmist is immersed in the Word of God. The fifth way that the young person is to guard their ways with God's word is to rejoice in God's word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 14, it says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as as in all riches. So we get a comparison here, how the psalmist rejoices, he's glad concerning the word of God, compared to how one rejoices in how much money they have. It's a pretty cool comparison. I want to focus in for a moment on the phrase that we find in the very beginning where it says, in the way of your testimonies. The way of your testimonies speaks of actually living out the Word of God. It speaks of a life of obeying the Word. That is what he is delighting or rejoicing in. So it doesn't just mention God's Word, but it actually talks about the way. It talks about living it out, obeying it which is going to be important in a moment to understand this verse. Then we come to the word delight. This word delight speaks of rejoicing. But even more so, literally, it speaks of springing. It speaks of leaping with delight. We sometimes talk about jumping for joy. That's the word here. Delight. Springing, leaping for delight. I think of fans watching their team when a goal or touchdown or big play is made, they leap to their feet with delight. That is the way the psalmist is saying he delights in the Word of God. He goes on to actually compare it to how he delights in his riches. Ask us a few questions. Can we say we delight in God's Word just as much as we do our money? Young people, are you just as happy getting money for Christmas, or teens and young adults, if you have a job? Are you just as happy in receiving a paycheck as you are in following the Word of God? Those are quite the questions to think about. And now I want us to think about money for a moment, all right? Ask yourself, why do I delight in money? Why do I feel happy when I have 
money. I'd say, isn't it because it's what it can bring us? It's what we can buy with it. It's what, what we can gain from it. And this is exactly what is being spoken of here. The psalmist, so we come back to this phrase, in the way of your testimonies. The psalmist specifically speaks of in the ways of God's testimonies he delights. The psalmist thinks about the life that is provided for the one who follows the word of God. He thinks about the result. He thinks about the outcome of the life lived according to the Bible, and he delights in it. He rejoices of what the result is from obeying the word of God. Just as we delight, we rejoice in the life that our money supposedly provides, we should delight in the life provided by following the word of God. In respect to the overall psalm, this is yet another way to guard our ways by the word of God, delighting and rejoicing in the word of God. If we delight in the word and what it leads to, we won't want to stray from it. We see the result. We see the outcome. And that's just like with our money. We won't want it to be taken. We won't want it to be wasted. So young person, I'll ask you, can you say that you rejoice in the word of God and obeying it? Do you jump for joy in thinking about following the word of God and what it leads to? And if we don't, we can pray for that. We can pray that God would give us this delight. I think all of us need to be praying for that. The sixth way given for the young person to guard their ways by the word of God is to talk with yourself about God's word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 15. It says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. So when we come to this word meditate, this word speaks of speaking, talking, conversing with yourself about the word of God. It speaks of pondering, concentrating, considering God's word. And this could both be in your mind, but it also could be out loud that you're You're speaking with yourself about what the Word of God means. It's turning it over and over in your minds, um, talking about it even out loud in in, in some instances, which you're thinking about every word, every phrase. You're thinking about what does this verse mean as a whole. It's taking a verse and thinking about what it means, even what it looks like to obey it in certain situations, thinking about how you are going to obey it. That's what this word meditate means. And oftentimes, we might not think of meditation as something Christians are to do. We see it's very much so something that the Bible calls us to do. And I'll just read two quick passages, familiar passages, opening to the book of Psalms. Psalms 1, Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, And then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Same type of thing here. In the book of Joshua, Joshua is commanded by God to do exactly this. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So as I said earlier, we see now that the word of God goes from the young person's, or the psalmist's, heart to his lips, and now to his mind. 
You see, he's meditating, or is to be meditating on the Word of God. And even further, as we continue through that, we see even further, if you look again at the second line, it says, and fix my eyes on your ways. He's focused on the Word of God. So application, I'll say this, if we think about it, we think all the time in children, teens, young adults, you might not even realize that yet, but our minds are always going. We're always thinking about something, thinking about plans, thinking about people, thinking about our relationships. Even sometimes, maybe even often, the things we're thinking about are sinful, they're wrong, they're things we shouldn't be thinking about. So we see here that you are challenged to think about the Word of God. Think about what it means. Thinking about how you can live it out. The seventh and final way is given, and it's finding pleasure in God's Word. If you look with me at verse 16, it says, In Psalm 119.16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your Word. So here the word delight now is actually not the same word as we saw in verse 15, verse 14. In the original Hebrew text, it's a different word. The word here, delight, speaks more of taking pleasure in. It's speaking of being glad. When the other word, delight, spoke of a rejoicing. It spoke of a, a springing, a leaping. It almost makes you think of an action is taken. Here this word, delight, speaks of taking pleasure in something being glad. And we get the result in the second phrase in which the psalmist says, I will not forget your word. He says, I will delight in it. We get the result in the second line, I will not forget your word. He will be able to call it to attention when needed. He will be guided and directed by it because he delights in it. It brings him pleasure. It makes him glad. But you've got to wonder, do you really find pleasure in the Word of God. Think about that for yourselves. Do you delight in God's Word? Because often, when we think about it, we do forget His Word. It's not readily on our minds. It is not what we're thinking about. When we sin, God's Word had not come to our mind or shaped us in that moment. So we often forget God's Word. So we might ask, how do we delight in God's Word? How do we begin to find pleasure in God's Word? And it's by doing some of the things we've already looked at. We see that these verses overlap. It's spending time. It's getting to know the Word of God. It's memorizing. It's talking about and thinking on the Word of God. That we can begin to delight in it. If we do these things, we will begin to delight in the Word. We will see what it leads to. We will see the depths of it and how good it is. We will take pleasure in it. So we've spent our time in considering this passage specifically focused on young people. As I believe that's the focus of this section, but I believe there's some takeaways for all of us as we close out this passage. So first, as we think about takeaways for all of us in this passage, first, we adults need to continue in these things as well. Hopefully the adults then zone out while we're going through this message or through this section, specifically for young people, because these are things that all of us, all adults, need to be doing as well. We, too, need lives that are immersed in the Word of God. It should start when we're young, but it needs to continue. 
We could say that we never reach a level of spiritual maturity where we don't need to be immersing our lives in the Word of God. We never become so mature that we no longer need to learn the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God. But a second takeaway, specifically for the adult, is that this should be the priority. This should be the thing that we see as most valuable for our children. You think of both for the parent and thinking about how they're going to direct their children to spend, of what to spend their time in, but also for us here in the church that deal with children. We think of Sunday school teachers or mentors. The most valuable thing that you can give our children is not just fun, it's not just hangout time, but it's the Word of God. That is what our ministries are to be focused in doing. A takeaway for the young person, then we'll close with an example, is children, teens, young adults, as you look over this section of Psalm 119, I'll ask you this. Would you say that your life is immersed in the Bible? Are you relying on God daily to obey? Are you memorizing the Word and letting it impact and shape your heart? Are you learning God's Word from sermons like this or from your parents? Are you speaking the words of God? Are you rejoicing? Are you delighting in the Word? And are you meditating and thinking on the Bible? Simply, I'll ask you, are you guarding your ways with the Word of God? This should be your greatest priority. Children, teens, young adults, you should be willing to put time into this. This should be the activity that you value the most. And I'll ask you, is that the case for you? I want to just close with an example, and I think it's a neat example, just as we think about this, as we think about the young person, but also as we think about even their parents, their family, our church's role and making this the most valuable thing in their life. And I want to give you the testimony of Timothy from the New Testament. Timothy as a young person with the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, part of the passage that we read for the call to worship, says this. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And then verse 15 says something interesting. It says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we're told here that Timothy was acquainted with God's Word from childhood. From a young age, God's word was made known to him. As again, verse 15 said, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Talking about the word of God. But I think it's cool, and it's not in the same book, it's in the book before. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, we see that it was most likely his mother and his grandmother that taught him the word of God. As Paul says this in 1 Timothy 1, 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. So Timothy should be an example to you, children, teens, young adults, that from a young age, he was trained, he was taught, he was encouraged to know the Word of God. I think Timothy is a pretty cool example um, of a young person as we think about their interaction with the Word of God. And maybe I'll leave the kids 
Well, I'll leave them with a couple of challenge, but uh, for young people, I'll leave you with this, with a couple of thoughts. First, kids, you may look at other families and see maybe the fun vacations they go on, the activities they did, the things their parents allow them to do. But if your parents made the Bible a priority in your life, if they set the example, if they provided avenues for you to help you to immerse yourself in God's Word, then you should be grateful because they gave you the greatest thing you needed as a child, the Word of God. That's what Timothy's example teaches us. And as I look back over my childhood, my teen years, I'm thankful for parents who faithfully brought me to this church, which surrounded me, which encouraged me to do exactly what this psalm that we looked at this morning taught us, to guard my ways by the Word of God. So the most important, the most valuable thing in your life is that you have a relationship with God and that you seek to follow Him by following His Word. So children, teens, young adults, immerse yourself in God's Word. Reading, memorizing, learning, meditating, delighting, and obeying it. Let us just close with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for Psalm 119 as it has so much in there about your word. And as we come to this section that specifically focuses on the young person and what the young person should do, what they should spend their time in, what they should see as a priority and most valuable, we see it's the word of God ultimately guarding them from sin and its consequences. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be with our young people here in the church, that you would just really give them a great desire for your word want to read it, to want to memorize it, to study it, to meditate on it, to surround their lives and center their lives around your word. It can be a very unnatural thing. It can be something that we don't feel like doing, but I pray that you would give them a great desire for it. But I also pray for all of us, that all of us would have this desire to love your word, to center our lives on it, to immerse our lives in the word of God. Lord, help us to be a church that does this, and I pray that even as we think about our parents, as we think about Sunday school teachers, mentors, those that interact with children, I pray that they wouldn't be tempted to make other things a priority over your word. But Lord, help us uh, to encourage and to direct and guide our young people to immerse their lives in the word of God. God, help us to do this, and we thank you for your word. And in your name I pray. Amen.